dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Father Michael. This week's episode is Mothers. Uh, it is a live episode uh, done live at the Proto Cathedral St. Mary in Sherman Oaks, my parish. Um, we had Mother in town for her retreat, for our retreat at Annunciation Parish on the Feast of Annunciation for the Southern California retreat, Byzantine retreat. Um, and then the next day we did a live recording at my parish. So uh, this live recording in front of a live audience, uh, Mother asked me first to give a, a short uh, summary of my children's homily for that Sunday because she was not there. She was down in Anaheim. And then we invited up a bunch of the people who were there and they gave their favorite parts and some reflections upon the retreat that we gave the day before. And we also made some new theological points. I have no idea how long the banter was, so you gotta listen to the whole thing. Sorry. Hi, Father Michael. Hello, Lord to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. That's how we're supposed to start. <laughs> that was the most patronizing glory to Jesus Christ I've ever said. <laughs> like, this is how we start, Mother. I used to... So, glory to Jesus Christ is a really, really helpful tool. <laughs> um, I probably shouldn't call it a tool, but it's like when we when we start talks or something in a or or homilies. I don't give I don't give homilies because I'm not a priest. But when we start talks, we um, you know we say glory to Jesus Christ, and then there's just like instant silence, and it works so well. Yeah. And I've started realizing I don't know how like Roman Catholics do it. Like I, I when I go to Roman Catholic events and they just can't get everyone's they just attention, say the and they're like Hail Mary, Hail Mary, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hail Mary. No, I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm like, if you just say glory to Jesus Christ, everyone will be quiet. That's how it works. But anyways, the reason I say this is because a few years ago at girls camp, that's how we would start announcements, right? We would say like glory to Jesus Christ. And then all the girls would say glory forever. And um, we would give whatever the announcement is. And one time the girls were just like acting up so much that I was just like, glory to Jesus Christ. And I scream it. And I was like, that's probably not a good way to say that phrase. So, well, uh, Deacon Jonathan, if Deacon Jonathan knows that during Living Christ. His eyes just got real big. <laughs> we actually have a, a, a better way. So I don't know how many of you know this, but when the deacon holds up his vestment, our parishioners saw this for the first time this morning, probably in a while. When the deacon holds up his vestments, that is an ancient, ancient civil sign. And the the vestment that the priest and the deacon and the bishop have, the, the long, thin vestment, I, my parishioners know this, um, was originally a sign of authority if you were voted into civil office. <laughs> And so the bishop, the priest, and the deacon all wear this sign of authority different ways, wrapped around their bodies in, in, in different ways. But the way the deacon wears it when he holds it up, that's what would happen in these old Greek or Roman senates was if you wanted to talk, you would hold up the vestment as a sign of, look, I've received this vestment. I have it. It's almost like the, what do you call that, the talking stick or something like that. What do you have that when you sitting around a circle and you have a stick, you can't talk? What, what are they called? Somebody yeah. help me out. Is it talking stick? Okay. The talking's like, you can't talk till you're holding the stick, right? And just to make sure people don't talk over each other. You never had this? No. Okay, that's because you know how to take turns. I don't. Um, and so, but you, it's like when you're in your circle, you just hand out the stick and you can't talk unless you have the stick. But that's what it was. If you're in a Greek or Roman Senate, you hold it up. So when the deacon holds up that vestment, he's, he's speaking for the people. So you notice during the, the litanies, when the, the deacon is speaking for the people, he's holding it up. He's standing with the people, kind of, crying his prayer into heaven, into mm. the altar, holding it up. Um, Can I just point something out? Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, people have said before um, that I'm much meaner to you than you are to me, people who listen to the podcast. And um, and 
the reason for that is because you're like so much nicer to me once we record. And because I'm realizing this, because <laughs> right before we were recording, you were talking about how you can't get a word in edgewise because I always talk over you. And now that we're recording, you're like, you know how to take turns and I don't. And so it's, they just don't get any of the times that you're actually. Um, I get really offended when people say that, as you know, like I get really offended when people say that we put on a shtick or a I can act on the podcast. Yeah. But I guess I kind of do. Okay. <laughs> you act like you're a nice person to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was this great moment yesterday when we were getting ready to leave for the retreat. Uh, Father Michael and I led a retreat in Anaheim yesterday at Annunciation Parish. It was um, super beautiful parish. That church is gorgeous. Uh, the people are great too. Anyways, as we're getting ready to leave, you're like working on your computer and trying to get it to do whatever you're trying to get it to do. And you're like, oh, it's so slow. It's not going quick enough. And I was like, Father Michael, it's fine. We have plenty of time. And you're like, I was just pretending to be you for a minute. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, I was super stressing about something. <laughs> and you were like, oh, now you're pretending to be you. <laughs> um, so that was pretty funny. Uh, so. I really don't get, I, actually right now I'm feeling weird because I don't normally get anxious. Do you feel anxious no, right now? I feel tired. I normally don't get tired either. I like this exhausted after a few days of, you're getting old. I know. That's what I was going to say. I am. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I used to, I did 45. like. 45. I got probably like six hours last night, but I got about three hours the night before. And it's like really trying to catch up on me. Your wounds like, are foul and festering. I'm getting old. The result of your own folly. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to greet everybody here. Uh, yeah. Welcome to St. Mary's Proto-Cathedral. We have an audience in our small hall. I also want to welcome everybody from Instagram and um, Old Rasputin Beer. If you're watching, we can be sponsored. So I'm going to go ahead and face the beer this direction. So on Instagram, you can see. As I was like, as I kept on setting it down, I kept on moving the label away as if like that was. <laughs> it's like, well, I'll just face the label towards Instagram. So Old Rasputin, is that the name of the company? North Coast Brewing. If you want Old to Rasputin us. is the name of the beer, I think. Huh? I just realized it's actually like an evil guy giving a blessing on the label. Yeah, it is. we he's should like, not endorse like that. Well, we'll edit that out, except it's literally live. Was Rasputin wasn't a priest. No, he's just a monk. Um, just a monk? What does that mean? <laughs> In reference to the blessing. <laughs> we can give monastic blessings, but we don't do it with that hand. Like when you give a monastic blessing, it's like this. Don't do that to me right now. <laughs> do not. And you're my spiritual Wait, father and it's weird. I can't then? I don't know. You explain I just this. I don't want I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable. Okay. I do know that a, a hegumena can give a blessing yes. to her own only to her own nuns or to anybody on the property. Is that a, is that a I don't know. I feel like it's anybody on okay. the property. I'm always very moved that you always come and ask her for a blessing when you're celebrating liturgy at the monastery. Like you in particular. Yeah. So I wish all the priests did that. They don't all do that. Oh. I think they're supposed to. Yeah, so I, I had given on her monastic grounds is the queen. Monastic. Like, she's the queen. Um. I think, actually, I think the word hegumena comes from um, the, the Greek word for queen mother in the Old Testament. So a hegumena is a male queen mother? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, now that we've been sufficiently awkward, um, I did something so awkward yesterday and I don't remember what it was. I blocked it out of my mind. Sorry. I was talking to old Rasputin. <laughs> I'm listening Were you actually now. talking to I'm Maddie? I'm listening now, I promise. No. Oh. 
okay. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, I don't really know what I want to talk about, but uh, that's not new. So yesterday, I want to give a brief overview of what I spoke about at the retreat yesterday. And then I want to hear Father Michael. I heard that your homily this morning, for which I was not present because I was at a different parish, um, your homily... Uh, tied in very well to the talk I gave yesterday, oh. um, which was clearly not intentional. <laughs> but so I'd like to hear your homily um, in brief. Your children's homily. Okay. Yeah. Your children's That's homily. That's the only one I gave. Oh, okay. Deacon um, Jonathan gave the adult homily. Oh, Deacon Jonathan gave the adult homily. You missed homily. that too. Yeah. I did. Um, Sam says it was very good. Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyways, I want to hear your children's homily in brief okay. after I share that. So basically what I talked about yesterday at the retreat, it was the Feast of the Annunciation, at the parish of Annunciation, so it was their patronal feast, and so we spoke about the Annunciation. I spoke about the Annunciation. Did you? A uh, little bit, yes. Okay. Oh, yesterday? Yeah. No, I talked about Psalms. You didn't talk about the Annunciation at all in your talk. Nope. Did I? What? No, I didn't. Nope. Psalms and angels. That was it. Okay, I'm not judging you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so. I thought we were talking about the Annunciation. It's fine. Um, so the the homily, not homily, the talk I gave was, oh, you did talk oh, about the Archangel um, Gabriel. Oh, this morning I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. but yesterday. I okay. Yeah. So um, I was talking about, on the, on, the drive, uh, on a drive on Friday, Father Michael and I were a little bit talking about my talk. Uh, so this was the day before. And I was sharing the things and he was like, I really love that, uh, we're doing this together because we're so complimentary because we're coming from such different angles. And basically what he was saying is like, he's talking about brain things and I'm just like feelings in your heart. And that's, <laughs> I think what he meant. But my point, when I asked the Lord what people needed to hear at this retreat, uh, what I heard was they need to hear the same thing as you, which is that I'm a God who keeps his promises. And that's what I was talking about with regards to the Annunciation because the Annunciation in and of itself being a fulfillment of so many of the prophecies is a fulfilled promise. But then also just the fact that Elizabeth says to the Theotokos, Elizabeth says to Mary, um, blessed is she who believed what, would, what was spoken to her. I just paraphrased because again, I don't know scripture as well as I know Nacho Libre. So, but... <laughs> But basically, that's what Elizabeth says to Mary. And um, and it's just like, it's so hard to believe sometimes what it is that the Lord speaks to us, um, what it is that he promises to us. It's hard to believe that he's going to come through on those promises because we've been so frequently wounded in our lives and we've had so many people fall through on their promises. Um, but one of the things that I've been praying with the past couple of weeks uh, that's really struck me about this is just as the prophecies, the prophecies were a promise by God. And I kind of view the prophecies as like the aches of Israel, um, the longings of Israel, and they're waiting for God to fulfill this promise. They're waiting for God to fill these aches. And that translated to me of like, the aches that we feel are very much 
promises. Like God doesn't, we don't have any aches within us that God does not want to fulfill. I think the hard part of that is he doesn't always want to fulfill it here on earth. And there are aches that we're going to have um, for our entire lives because some of those things won't be fulfilled until heaven. And there's a great gift in that because if everything was filled here on earth, then like, what would we be longing for, right? And if everything was fulfilled here on earth, uh, why would we turn to God for anything? Um, so those aches are a gift and those aches are a promises. And so I think it's a very fruitful thing to bring those aches to prayer and ask God, how do you want to fill this? What's the promise that you're making here? What's the promise that you're going to fulfill at some point in time? Um, and then, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think the thing that the saints do too, once we become holy, is we actually let our Lord tell us what aches and desires we should have. Mm. Because sin clouds us so that we have these desires. So we, we have the same desires, but, but sin takes it and twists it so that we desire very specific things mm-hmm. that God doesn't want us to have. And, and it, holiness kind of, purges the specific and allows us to have the more general desires. And then if we, as we read in the scriptures so many times, our Lord kind of tells us, I I created you. I know you. I created you exactly as you are. I know what you want. I know it will be fulfilling. Let me tell you what to ask for. Let me Mm -hmm. tell you what to work for. Let me tell you what to long for, all those things. But yes, so I think in that way, we can say objectively, our Lord fulfills our desires because he also gave us those same desires in order to fulfill those desires. Mm -hmm. And the devil just likes us twisting that. Yeah, it's like we bring a desire to him because as far as we can tell, this is the thing that we're desiring. And he's like, actually, there's something that you're desiring that's deeper than that. And you're only seeing the surface level. Um, Because all he does is give us himself and that's ultimately what we desire Mm -hmm. is him. Yeah. Every, like every time like we're aching things. for communion with someone else, what we're actually yeah. aching for is communion with God. Yeah. Um, so, and then the the last part of it was just talking about how um, promises are something that are meant to be received and not something to be grasped at. And And I've given a couple, like, I don't remember if any of them have come out yet, but Uh, I've talked about this on a couple podcast episodes now, the past couple that I've done, um, of this concept of turning the things that are the greatest goods in our lives into idols. And that's the moment at which we're grasping. And, And this is what Adam and Eve did, right? Like Adam, we say in the propers for the Annunciation that Adam wanted to be Adam was beguiled by the serpent, I think is what the propers say, um, because he wanted to become like God. And the irony is that God wants us to become like God, right? Um, What the fathers say, like Irenaeus and Athanasius say that God became man so that man might become God. Like this was the intention of the incarnation. God wanted us to become one with him. Um, but Adam didn't receive that in the time that the Lord wanted to give it. Adam didn't receive that in the way that God wanted to give it. Um, He grasped at it, and Eve. Eve was there too. Eve like kind of started the thing. Anyways, um, but they were grasping at something instead of receiving, and that's what we're doing every time we sin, is we're not actually trusting that God is going to give us this thing that he's promising us. He's not going to fulfill this desire Uh, we wouldn't necessarily say that, right? But like, that's what our action is showing is that I'm trying to fill this thing for myself instead of trusting that God is going to in some way, in some time. Yeah. So I I think the hard thing is that you mentioned 
the answer to what I'm about to say, but when you when you talk about all the all the achings of the Old Testament peoples, so few of them actually saw the fulfillment of God's promises. Mm. Most of them, by far, died without ever seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think there was a beautiful understanding of, uh, in a very human way, like I live on in my children. You know, having more children, the better, because I live on in them. And and there's a certain sense of my children's children will experience this mm-hmm. if they will, which makes our celibacy very, very counter-human in a sense, superhuman if God gives it as a gift. But yeah. Except that, um, you know, we used to, when I was in college, uh, all my friends and I had this joke that I was going to have 500 babies. And then um, it's very funny because I actually ended up entering into the only vocation in which that's actually possible. <laughs> so, because uh, we do have spiritual children, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, okay. So I would like to hear your children's homily from this morning, Father Michael. But I also want to put it out there that after you're done sharing your children's homily, um, I would like to invite up anyone who is willing and desires to share a grace from the retreat yesterday mm. uh, because many of the people here were at the retreat yesterday. So um, at least like one or two of you need to, otherwise people are going to be like, there were clearly no graces. <laughs> if, if nobody's anything, we're just going to say that a few people had some, but we edited them all out because they were horrible. Yeah. So if there's no graces, we just edited them out, but we had everybody came okay. up and it was just horrible. Okay. So you're welcome to respond to anything I said also, but I want to hear your kids' homily. Sure. Um, I had to write it down because I forget things very, very quickly. Um, so thank you for giving me a warning. You know me well enough to know, like, I'm going to give him a warning. This is what I'm going to ask you in a bit. Um, I'm really impressed that you realized that's what I was doing. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> obviously. Um, then thank you for that. Um, so uh, basically I started with the gospel this morning. This is the Sunday of Mary of Egypt. Um, and uh, for the Sunday of Mary of Egypt, we hear the gospel of James and John asking to sit at the Lord's right and left side. And I, I really love them for this because I think that there is deep down in them, because they're saints and they're holy, um, there is a an awareness that I'm not looking for glory here on earth. I'm not asking for glory here on earth. I'm asking glory for glory in heaven. And that's a very pious thing to do. It's almost like a, a pious state when they say, Lord, I don't need glory here on earth. The very end of the gospel today was, um, I have come, Jesus says, not to be served, but to serve. So in a sense, they're saying, I'm here to serve, but... I'm serving here so that in heaven I can have glory. And our Lord kind of, you know, explains that glory is in a sense different in heaven. Um, I forgot to say it, but when I was talking to the kids, when we, our iconostas, of course, has our Lord just to the right of the royal doors, his mother on his right and John the Baptist on his left. So in a sense, that is the kingdom of heaven mm. with Mary's on Jesus's right and John the Baptist is on the left. So it's not for them. The thoughts what the father's will was, um, I just but, had this image because in on the icon screen, Mary's holding Jesus. Jesus. And so I just had this image of like Jesus in the middle and then Mary with little baby Jesus on her lap. <laughs> You're looking at this way too weird. literally. <laughs> I know. Go ahead. Um, but I, I really do think that James and John would have been very honored by that. Hmm. It's like, it's, it's beautiful that they asked, but if Jesus said, actually, my right is for my mother, they're oh, hmm. of course, of course, you know. Um, but anyway, the uh, so there's something about this this period of serving that is actually a thing of glory. And then the fulfillment of that was when they wanted to sit at his right and his left in heaven. Um, and that made me think of, as I was writing this homily, it made me think of the various times in the life of the church and in the life of, of our personal prayer life where we have 
almost like our spiritual life has stages. Mm. So um, take one, for instance, uh, confession. So in confession, when I grew up, I would literally sin, and then I would say, I'm going to say sorry to Jesus when I go to confession. And I wouldn't talk to Jesus until then. Mm. I'd be like, okay, I, I have to wait till I go to confession to talk to Jesus. But when I go to confession, then I'll share with him what happened. And then I realized as I got older, I was like, the Protestants are right. Mm-hmm. Like, I need, I need to go to Jesus right away. Like, I need to go to God immediately and then go to confession because going to confession is fulfilling the scriptural mandate to confess your sins to one another. Mm-hmm. And because the priest represents God and all people and himself. So when we go to confession, we confess our sins to everybody, including God. But but the, there's almost like a hidden, more intimate confession. As soon as I realize I've sinned, I go directly to God myself. And that's a necessary thing. I've preached on that a million times to my people. Um, the other thing was like with prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving um, are are things that we do in private and in public. So prayer, like prayer, we do the Presanctified Divine Liturgy. That is a a great Lenten prayer that we all do in public. Fasting, we have certain fasting regulations that we all do together. Almsgiving, we do parish-wide almsgiving, and we do almsgiving obviously including other people that is is public and known. But we also, scriptural mandate, we have to do these things privately. And I hope we do those things privately first. And the same thing with, with, I didn't use this as an example because I was talking to kids, but um, we get... I, we, thank God our parish doesn't, but um, a lot of people will complain about kids being noisy. And they'll say, right, the, the, the church was too noisy and I couldn't pray, I couldn't concentrate because there's kids running around everywhere and it's too noisy. And usually people that say that, they think that the only place they can pray is in church. Hmm. And it's like, if you, if you prayed alone in a controlled atmosphere six days a week, mm. you know, where you had utter silence if you want silence or a certain song if you want a song. Like if we, if we are in full control of our prayer experience, six days a week, one day a week where we're not in control of our prayer experience wouldn't be that bad. I mean, ideally you're even doing it seven days a week, like maybe yeah, other before than that you go hour, to church. Right, yeah. exactly. Okay. So if, if we spent a lot more time, which we should, in, in controlled prayer, we won't need to be in control all the time. I think that's important for people that do get frustrated by by smelly homeless people and kids being active and you know all the normal experience of, of a Sunday divine liturgy. Um, generally, we need to say, yeah, you you have all these opportunities, so many opportunities to to control your own prayer experience. Now it's not the time. So we need the controlled, more intimate prayer experience mm-hmm. and the public one for confession. We need to say. We need to um, confess to Jesus intimate, um, intimately, privately, hiddenly, and then publicly with prayer, fasting, almsgiving, same thing. Um, so I was just encouraging the children. Um, I asked them to ask their parents, how do you pray to Jesus privately? Mm. To find out from their parents what they do. And then asking their parents to teach them how to talk to Jesus when they're totally on their own. Mm. So that when they when they are praying to Jesus and have this intimate, private conversation with him. And then they also pray with their families. They pray with their friends. They also pray at church. Um, but we can't, church cannot be our only prayer experience. Confession cannot be our only experience of, of mm-hmm. apologizing to our Lord. Our public um, prayer, fasting, almsgiving cannot be the only way. There has to be both the, the public and the private, the more hidden preparation for the public and then also the public as well. Yeah, I think that's interesting because of the, the beatitude, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. Um, because I think that as we are working to purify our hearts in those times that are the controlled environments, um, as we work to purify our hearts, uh, that's not even the right way to say it. As we work to allow God to purify our hearts, then 
we start to see him. So I'm I'm thinking of this because when um, when there was there was one time that like I just one of the nuns asked me something or did something. Name her. Name her. I'm sorry, just kidding. Um, I mean, this other nun is actually quite the hero in this story, oh, okay. and All I'm right. the jerk, so I could name her. But uh, the it's Mother Natalia. <laughs> <laughs> so the the other nun, um, she asked me something or did something, whatever it was. I just reacted very poorly, and I got really defensive, and I like snapped at her and whatever. And then she she just takes it, and then she responded very calmly. Um, side note. So frequently, I think our listeners are surprised when they meet me and then they see me actually like be sinful and make mistakes. And I'm like, I don't understand why you're surprised because I literally talk about this all the time on the podcast. (laughs) Anyways, so um, it's not humility. It's not false humility. It's like just the truth. So when um, she just like takes it, this other nun, and then she responds very calmly and says, next time how should I have said this differently or what could I have done differently? And I was like, nothing. You could have done nothing differently because you were wonderful and I was the problem. And if you had done this on a day that I had just had a really great spiritual direction with someone and I was in a really good mood, I would have just received it and it would have been wonderful, but I'm in a bad mood. And so I took that out on you. And so you could do nothing differently. Um, and, and I think that's the case of what you're describing of this situation of like the smelly homeless people or the noisy kids in church is like, if you've actually spent the time with the Lord, allowed him to purify your heart, then when you're pure of heart, you see God. And when you're in church, you're seeing God in the smelly homeless and you're seeing God in the noisy kids. And as opposed to like, instead of those things being a nuisance or an annoyance, they're actually delightful. You know, it's like, as I was, I was helping with um, the choir, helping is a strong word. The choir was amazing. I was standing there and like kind of singing along, but um, at Annunciation yesterday, and there were just like, there were so many kids there yesterday and they were giggling and they were wandering around and as I looked at them, it's just like, it was just pure delight, right? Because they're like, so happy to be there and so happy to be in the Lord's house. And um, so, yeah, I think that there's there's something something to be said for that of if we're reacting poorly to the situation around us, maybe the situation around us isn't the problem. Um, yeah. In a similar vein, um, this is what my parents did so well um, was that every single night we prayed. I've shared this before that I, I had a, I had a friend who I was doing marriage prep for her and her future husband, and she grew up with us. And so she said, the priest asked them in marriage prep, in the end, like I was just like doing side marriage prep. And their real marriage prep, the priest asked them. Um, what is side marriage prep? Like sometimes, sometimes people go through marriage prep and they just don't get anything out of it. <laughs> And so they, so they call other priests and okay. be like, can we do something else in addition to what I've already done? Um, so anyway, so we're doing the side marriage prep. And and they said the priest asked us, which is a very good question. Am I like uh, a side spiritual mother? Is that what's <laughs> happening with all my spiritual children? <laughs> like they're getting real spiritual direction somewhere else and then they're just coming to me. As- Only if they say it and okay. don't let yourself be used, it's mother. Fine. Okay. Um, as your spiritual father. Um, the uh, You're my side spiritual yeah. father. <laughs> Whoa. Just kidding. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Um, the uh, okay, so that's, I got, 
real time. Um, so she said, she said that we were asked like, how do you plan on raising your kids in prayer? Like, how are you going to mm. pray with your kids once you're married? Because I mean, all of you that have kids probably know that you, they're they're they are too young to pray with you, and then all of a sudden they're like repeating everything you say, and you realize that they're they're everything you say and everything you do is now going to be etched <laughs> in their mind forever. Um, just like dear little Charlie, is he Charlie here? Who who decided that? Uh, who decided that uh, he's going to look at my cross every single? Uh, He's gonna look at my cross every single after homily and point out the gems and the the things I like. Kids expect like this is what we do now. You know, this is what we do. We have a ritual and we're gonna follow it. Mm. Um, oh, so my so <laughs> my brain. Um, so my my parents every single night we would pray, and then and what so my friend said was like what we we how how are the O'Loughlin boys? How are the O'Loughlin boys so? like happy when prayer time came. Cause what kid, when their parents are like, it's time to pray, what kid is actually happy about that when they're, you know, six, seven years old? But we were, and the reason was that we weren't actually happy. We just knew it was gonna happen. We were gonna pray every single night. And if there was any night we didn't pray, then there was a chance we weren't gonna pray tonight. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if we prayed every other night, then every single night we'd hope, maybe this is a night we don't pray. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, if, but if we prayed every single night, we knew it was going to happen anyway. But what my parents did was they called, they put prayer in the context. I said this before. I apologize for those who've heard it. They put it in the context of quiet time. That's what we called it, quiet time. So quiet time involved prayer, and it involved Irish tea, and it involved cookies every single night. And so it was something we enjoyed. That's the real trick. It is. It is. <laughs> it's absolutely. The it's the cookies. Also, your mom's a great baker. Sorry, so. Pauline, who doesn't like rewarding um, good behavior um, from our uh, It's not rewarding good podcast. behavior. It's using the reward to draw them in. Sure. Um, and, uh, and so we would have this. And so we learned for probably 45 minutes a night, this is how to be still. This is how, and this is a time for that. So when we went to church on Sunday, it wasn't the only time during the week where we couldn't just be running around going crazy. And so again, personalities are different. I had, my ADHD came much later, thank God, when I was already an adult. Can't even imagine having what I have now when I was a kid, I'd be crazy. Um, but like th there's, if we, if we have instances every single day with our children, then when we do it once a year, once a month, once a week, they'll be much more able to do that again because they mm -hmm. have practice. This is how it works with fasting for us, right? We fast in small ways so that we can fast in big ways. We, we forgive in small ways so we can forgive in big ways. Mm -hmm. We have to have little experience of these things so when the time comes to do something for a longer period of time, we can. Mm -hmm. um, and we need this consistency as adults very much, yeah. right? Um, I was when I was talking with Natalie today on the drive from Anaheim, uh, it was something that we've both really been thinking about a lot recently is this this aspect, this this concept of consistency. And like I I was since I had to do cardiac rehab for this neurological problem that I have, um, it was so helpful for me because it's like, I have to do this every day. And if I don't do this every day or like five days a week or whatever it was, and if I don't do this every day, um, then I get really sick. And so it just, once I did it every day for so long, it stopped being a question. You know, it wasn't like, it's, it's exactly what you're describing of, of the praying every night. It wasn't like, I didn't after matins one day be like, well, maybe, maybe I won't work out today. You know, it's just like, it becomes part of your routine. And I would really encourage people because so, so that's exercise and that's fine, but this translates 
so much to our spiritual life, right? As do all the other things in our life. It's like we're made body and soul. Um, we're neither pure spirits like the angels. We're not pure body like the animals. Like we're body and soul. And and so the two are linked together very intimately. And so the things that, um, the the lessons that we learn in one very much apply to the other. And so that that aspect of consistency is very important to our prayer life, just as it is to um, like exercise. And I think that, um, oh, where was I going with that? I was going somewhere with it. Um, oh, yes. So I, I gave this uh, in in spiritual direction at some point recently. I was talking with one of my spiritual daughters and I was like, look, we need to just pick like two small things that you're going to work on consistently for the next month until our next direction. And you're not picking these grand goals. Um, we're going to scrap all the grand goals you have right now. And we're starting with these small things. And if you can do this small thing consistently for a month until our next direction, then we can pick another thing. Because by that point, when you've been doing it consistently for a month, then you're going to stop like doubting it or questioning it, or it's just going to become part of your routine. And that's, that's how we need to be with, with our prayer as well. Somebody was saying, and a, a way to see this as an opportunity, somebody was telling me the other day that, that um, they have some app on their phone that not only tells them how long they're on social media, but how frequently they do it. Mm. And they said, I look at, I look at social media um, at least every hour, mm -hmm. if not more frequently than that. And they were ashamed because they said, I pray in the morning and I pray at night and I look mm -hmm. at social media so much more. And I said, well, how about you pray before opening social media? Mm. Because then literally you're going to pray every single hour. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's, it's not like you're, you're, you're replacing it. You're just saying, I'm going to let my desire for social media to inspire me. By the way, there, there, there's an app. Um, I forget what it's called right now, but I have it on my phone. I don't want to pay for the whole thing, so I only have it on one, one app. But it makes it so that you, when I open up Instagram, it, it makes me wait 20 seconds and it says breathe. And then the thing goes up. And then it goes down and then it says, do you still want to open Instagram? And then you have to hit yes to do it. Do you so ever say like, no? Yes, mother. <laughs> that was an actual yes. question. I was just wondering if it works. I wasn't yes, meaning rarely, to be as judgy yes, as it sounded. <laughs> but, but I wasn't it's, trying it's, to sound judgy. I just am judgy. <laughs> but it's great because there is that. I wish you could have an app that just said like, before you do this, say the Trisagium prayers, mm -hmm. you know? Like do something, say a psalm, and then open it. So it's if not any of like, our listeners are um, programmers, then you can create yeah, this app. Yeah, we would. You get it from a lot of Christians, I'm sure, at least. Right. So there's something about just use use what you already doing consistently. Finish. Yes. No finish. Okay. <laughs> like use what you're already doing consistently. What are you doing consistently? And then apply that to prayer. That's why I I, I pray so often in my car because I decided that. And I'm getting better about getting places early. So if I get somewhere early, I'll just pray there in the car hmm. before I get out. So I associate arriving somewhere with prayer. And as soon as my brain takes that on, then I start praying a lot more. So I told one of my spiritual daughters I was totally going to steal this. And I think I said I was going to tell other spiritual children about it. But now I'm telling the, whole the world. world. But you're all my spiritual children. So that's fine. Hmm. Uh this is brilliant, Father Michael. One of my spiritual daughters. Everything you say is brilliant. Aw, I don't trust you. <laughs> um, um, one of my spiritual daughters, her friend, um, I told her I wanted her to pray the prayer of St. Ephraim every day during the Great Fast. So her friend designed a background 
for her phone um, with the prayer of St. Ephraim on it. So it's like this graphic that has the prayer of St. Ephraim so that every morning when she looks at her phone, she sees the prayer of St. Ephraim. And I was like, this is brilliant. So many people, I don't like have a phone in my room, so this isn't my life anymore. But like, so many people, the first thing they do when they get up there in the morning is look at their phone. And so like, if you look at your phone and it's a prayer that anyways, that's just, I was like, that's such a simple, beautiful, brilliant idea. It is, but I can tell you from experience, it only lasts so long. Well, it worked for her. She I doesn't know. have ADHD. That's because she's holier than me. But like, like if you, and this is the problem that you, this is why I love the church's cycle of fasts and feasts. Because mm-hmm. if you change it, because I wore a chain for the mother of God around my wrist for years. Mm-hmm. And it would be like, hey, this is a reminder to, to do God's will and to do the will of the mother of God. And after a while, it was just a chain. So you can change it. It doesn't have to be right, the prayer exactly. of St. Ephraim for always. But uh, like you see something like now it's just something on my background. So yeah, that I, the, the breathing in, the breathing out. This is what I talked about with the Psalms. Mm-hmm. The breathing in, the breathing out. When you when you pray with at least one other person where two or three are gathered, then you listen to one verse and you say a verse and you listen to a verse and you say a verse and you're learning how to listen and how to speak. Um, and so when, when you have, that's what the fast and the feast are the church here. So if you change it up so that your phone looks background, by the way, almost every single smartphone, you can make it so that it gets it's black and white. And I had a friend that taught me that for the fasts. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna let you look at my phone to see if it's on black and white right now. But but you can you can turn it so it's black and white. So during fasts, you open up your phone and it's black and white. That's what we do that for our our Instagram feed, right? Mm-hmm. For podcast. If you go to our Instagram feed, it's we is a strong word. Our media, our media team, team does team that because they're amazing. It, we do nothing. Yes. Uh, and they put it so that when you when we when you look on Instagram and it pops up, it's monochrome or whatever. And sometimes it's it's not exactly black and white, but it's 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 beautifully simple and it, it's. It can be startling if you're used to seeing one thing. You're used mm-hmm. to seeing one picture and you open your phone, it's black and white. It's like, oh, that's because it's the fast. You know, and it's it, these little ways of embracing the fast. Uh, wonderful. Do you, is there anything else that you want to share before I see if anyone wants to come up and share, Grace? No, but your notes say so. It doesn't. And that's oh. after, it says SD and that's oh, after Grace's. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Grace's is first. Okay. Uh, no. Okay. I'm good. I'm content. Um, would anyone be willing to share a grace from the retreat yesterday? Someone has to. You guys, you're making us look so there we bad. Go. Mike. Thanks, Mike. I'll be the first. Come over here. Yeah, yep. yeah. You're okay being on Instagram, Mike? Um, yeah, are you being on Instagram? Mike's going to be an Instagram model. Okay being on Instagram? Oh, yeah. That's okay. Mike Mina. Um, <laughs> can you switch to my lap, Miriam? Is that okay? Go ahead, Mike. Unfortunately, I made it to the retreat after Mother Natalia said her part. So I'm sorry I missed the most important part. You're welcome. <laughs> Ouch. But I, I Ouch, Mike. <laughs> did learn a lot he about was the Psalms. About divine liturgy is the most important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did learn a lot about the Psalms. Uh, it, it reinforced the uh, importance of taking the time to read the Psalms, to pray the Psalms to breathe with the Psalms. And uh, if I may add one other thing, when you were talking about your children's um, uh, homily, it brought back an image. I was serving uh, one day and they came to communion and I was holding the purificator and I saw this little boy, Charlie. He spread his arms out wide and ran to receive the communion, Mm. ran to receive the communion. That, That was just awesome. Anyway, thank you. 
Thank you. He does that all the time. I love it. I actually have to kind of brace and hold the chalice really tightly because <laughs> I'm afraid he's gonna like trip into it. Did he do that for you today? <laughs> he did it for Deacon Jonathan too. Like you can see, he stands about five feet back, and then as soon as the person walks away, he just charges for it. And then, and then when he when he get when the gospel book, he grabs it with both hands, and then he kisses it with great zeal in the gospel book. Same with the cross afterwards. Yeah, and he's also, by the way. No one told me my cross is on backwards. Um, that's I okay. didn't notice. Uh, you know I would have said something if I did. The other thing, Charlie was also the one, those for our guests this morning, who sang God Grant You Many Years completely oh, yeah. off pace, but at the top of his lungs. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it yesterday, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> in this, yeah, in the church that wasn't even his, he just sang God Grant You Many Years. It was, it was beautiful and awesome. It was great. All right, anybody else? Por favor, please. Here we go, Charlene. I'm going to take this um, as she comes up. I'm going to take this moment to, I, I need to give an apology to um, uh, to all of our listeners who have emailed us and never heard back <laughs> because I discovered last night um, that sometimes people email and it goes to a folder that got called spam and I didn't know <laughs> that it exists. And... I found this folder last night, and um, there it says that any messages in spam that are older than 30 days are automatically deleted. And um, so in the last 30 days, there were seven. And so I don't know how many there were before that. And if I never replied to your email, it's because nuns are basically boomers, and I'm technologically <laughs> inept, and it's not you, it's me. Go <laughs> up, Charlie. Thank you for both of you for the retreat. It was truly amazing. For me, it was that word trust that you talked about. Mm-hmm. And God keeps, keeps his promises. So I did my readings today for the, you know, prior to coming to liturgy. And I read that it doesn't use the word promises in the readings today, but they were promises. Mm-hmm. The archangel Gabriel gave a promise to Mary. Mm-hmm. And it was kept. And so thank you for, for doing that because I'm reading now my Bible differently mm-hmm. as that they are promises. And God does not break his covenant with us, although we do break it with him anytime. So thank you. Thank you, Charlene. Sam, do you want to share something? Sam, bless him. I, I swore this to myself Jonah. I wouldn't too, and here I am. So this one it's all Jonah. your fault, Mother. What? This is Jonah. No, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> he has a twin. <laughs> and, and mother can tell us apart. Mother can tell can, you apart. I can't. Known us for a year. <laughs> but anyways, and she's only met us thrice. So um, so anyways, thanks father um, and mother, mostly mother, for putting on the retreat. Um, I'll take it. I, I have uh, two <laughs> things to share. <laughs> oh, closer? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so the first uh, was from mother's talk and something she mentioned today was that um, when we are are sinning, we're grasping um, at promises God has made. Um, and that really stuck out to me um, because there's kind of like a double sin in that where, where God has made us a promise. He's given us a desire. He's put it on our heart. Um, but it's with his timing. And so when we do that, we're, we're both sinning by doing something that he doesn't will, but also saying like, God, I don't trust you to fulfill this desire that you've put on my heart. Like essentially you're kind of saying to God, 
um, that he's fake, right? Like you put this desire on my heart, but I don't trust you to fulfill it. So I'm just gonna gonna go my own way now and try to do that in my way, even though I know it's not gonna fulfill me. Um, so that definitely really convicted me. I, I told mother afterwards that her talk pissed me off because <laughs> it because it, it it really um, just called me out. Um, and then uh, with father's talk, something that just really spoke to me um, is at the end, the very end of his talk, he talked about how Jesus prays Psalm 22 on the cross, the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I had known for a while um, that it it was a, 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 a prayer of prophecy. And so Jesus was making, you know, the point kind of, kind of, witnessing that that the prophecy of salvation in Psalm 22 is being fulfilled there. Um, but Father said, you know, this is also like a prayer that Jesus is praying as a man, you know, and he's praying out of his pain and his suffering um, and his anguish. Um, and that uh, was really powerful. Um, it just spoke to me, um, was a great reminder that, that Jesus is a man like all of us. Um, and then that that prayer was, you know, totally a, a human and a sincere prayer, and that he suffers and and goes through through hope and pain and anguish just like we do. Yeah. Thank you. It was also a uh, a call. The, Father Joel Barstad, who's now my successor in Denver, who I'm so incredibly proud that he is there because I love that man. Um, but he, when he was in uh, a seminary professor, he would make all of his seminarians memorize a, like a psalm a week or something like that. And I was like, that's so hard for us to do, but it's something so beautiful. Like Jesus had the Psalms memorized. So he probably said all of Psalm 22 from the cross in great agony. And he probably said this whole, whole thing. And he used it as, as, a, as a divinely inspired response to dying. Hmm. Like he, 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 he interpreted as this is, this is what I wanna pray as I'm dying. It was something he had memorized um, most likely. And, um, and was able to able to say it from the cross in a, in a time of great, great anxiety. Like I, I, I will mess up the words of the divine liturgy if I turn around and someone's looking at me weird. Like I, it's <laughs> like I can't imagine dying and having to say something that I had memorized. You know, mm-hmm. I did that today twice. I think just having a deacon on the altar. <laughs> Just like shook things up just Father enough. Father Deacon Jonathan is very intimidating. So. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like things were just different enough um, that I was like, oh, okay. Then Guinevere was there and just totally threw me off every time I turned around. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, but anyway, but it, it's, it's impressive that our Lord like was able to interpret that psalm as something to say when you're, when you're dying, when he was dying specifically. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um. Anything, does anyone else want to share anything from like graces from yesterday before we move on? Deacon Greg does. I can read your mind. Yes, please come. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) He was adamantly opposed beforehand. He was like, you were adamantly opposed. Um, By the way, I'm assuming since Miriam's in the documentary that Elizabeth would be okay with her being on Instagram. So we're just assuming that. She's not in the room. Our parish was so grateful to be able to host this event Mm -hmm. for uh, the two of you to have a retreat. Um, There was a lot of concern and um, 
anxiety about how we're going to help and feed everybody and <laughs> um, show hospitality to everybody, make it a, a, an enjoyable event and run smoothly and everything. But it ended up working out so fantastically. So the grace for me was the grace of being able to show hospitality to mm. uh, all the people present and to have it be a wonderful experience for them. We didn't, a lot of people who were, were from our parish didn't really get experienced all the graces of the retreat because we we're busy with all the details of hospitality, but mm-hmm. um, we were able to experience the people who had the great experience at the retreat. And many people asked them, I asked them how today, you know, how, how was it? And they said, it was great. It was fantastic. They loved it. And um, we were happy to give that gift for them. And we would just wish that we could have been more open and welcoming to more people to be able to come and experience this because we were just so concerned about, you know, mm-hmm. how, how we could welcome everybody. So Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Deacon Greg. Thanks. Okay. Maddie, do you want to share Grace before we... You sure? Are you sure? Because you you usually really like to speak publicly. (laughs) (laughs) Deacon just did what I want to do so bad, and that is that just throw exact translations from our liturgicon into my common speech. So the details of hospitality is oh, mm-hmm. a direct quote from Martha and Mary <laughs> from our translation. Anyway, that, that was really cool. Um, whether you knew it or not, it was you were you were speaking the word of God. Uh, I learned from I learned from someone recently. We had a pustinic at the monastery who was sharing that he um, he and his roommates uh, like to use scripture out of context and um, in very wonderful ways uh, and. Um, one of them was he said that his roommate had um, washed his coffee cup, but like hadn't gotten all the soap out apparently. And so it's like early in the morning, it's very dark. He can't see the coffee cup. And so he pours the coffee into it and, and he takes a sip of coffee. And then he just says like very quietly, he says, an enemy has done this to me. <laughs> um, like the sowing the, the weeds and the, yeah. My favorite an enemy has done this is in the Brothers Karamazov where, um, the father finds out that his one of his ex-wives has died and he's drunk and he goes running out in the street, now let your servant depart in peace. <laughs> your word has been fulfilled. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Um, that's really, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll edit that out in our live episode. <laughs> um, no, we just definitely won't. Okay, well, then if, if no one else has um, anything else to share, then... You can ask. If anyone else Anybody else have anything to share? Sorry. You got you guys gonna let, let her be right, I see. That's okay. Okay. Uh, um <laughs> does that make me based? No, it does. <laughs> Mother tests out these words on me, and like I'm forty five years old, <laughs> but she tried to use the word base and she made it totally wrong. <laughs> What'd you try to use it? Oh, she said, I'm hip, I'm based. I'm like, those don't mean the same thing. No, <laughs> Yeah, I th- <laughs> I thought that it meant like cool. Does any it kind of it- does? Well, then it means being cool, having the right opinion. Like you have, like you. Correct me if I'm wrong, young people. But if you're based, means <laughs> it means that, that you have the it's right. Father opinion. Father Deacon Jonathan looking up based right now. He is. Yeah, Urban Dictionary, great. Deacon Jonathan. <laughs> um, it pretty much means <laughs> it means that you have you have the right opinion, even if it goes against the grain. Which means I'm always based. Yes, exactly. Okay, great. Am I right? Uh, Moving on. So, (laughs) the so does anybody else have anything that they want to share before I move to the next thing? Please let me do it. Maybe you're right. Okay. Oh, there we go. Guinevere, get up here. (laughs) (laughs) Guinevere, share something about my talk to the kids. (laughs) Oh no, 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 no. 
my god. That's okay. Oh no. You're okay. Um, can you dad? Can you, can you introduce yourself? Say, say who your dad is. <laughs> Why am I laughing? <laughs> um, let's start with your name. What's your name? Guinevere. Guinevere. Um, who's your dad? <laughs> <clears throat> You're doing great. What's, you what's your dad's it. name? His real name is Jonathan. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, his first de- name. His first name is Deacon. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Father Deacon. <laughs> Father Deacon. Yes. You're right. So it's Father Deacon Jonathan. Yes. Uh huh. Which means you are the second dean to be on this podcast because your dad's uh, been on the podcast before. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Guinevere didn't listen to that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so what did you, uh, what's something you liked about, I I don't know if you did this to humiliate Guinevere or you did it to humiliate me, but uh, what is, um, what's something that struck you about my, my talk to the kids yesterday? Because you were there. Do you remember anything? What's the first thing that comes to mind? That was a dangerous question. Um, oh, no. <laughs> So there was there was a Q and A, right? Did she say anything else other than the Q and A? No, it was mostly Q and A the whole time. Yeah. What was your favorite question that somebody asked her? Oh my gosh! Or what was your favorite answer to something somebody asked? Oh my gosh! Um, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> there were so many questions. Uh, why am I so nervous? Okay. It's totally normal to be nervous, by the way, little one. It's totally normal. It totally, it's totally normal. This what, is me somebody asked about something about the way she lives or something about she, what she wears or what she does with her free time. I'm just guessing. Yeah, yeah those were questions. We do wear pajamas. I Nun, know. Nuns wear pajamas. I know. Okay. Uh-huh. I don't know if I have a favorite because what they were all really funny. Oh, what'd you make? Candles. Oh. oh, yeah, they made candles out of beeswax. Out of beeswax, I was okay. gifted a couple of them. It's pretty wonderful. Yeah. So. What was your favorite? I saw that you guys were doing a bunch of, like, games outside. What was your Ooh. favorite game? So there were, like, these little pads on the floor. Um, we kind of... Um, oh. You're fine. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. We kind of pretended, like, the floor was lava, so we would just step on them. That was basically my favorite one, but Classic. there were also bubbles. I would like, I, I blew them as I would hop, so it was funny. <laughs> Everyone was like, what are you doing? Mm. Awesome. Thanks, Guinevere. Okay. Thank you very much. Good job. That was scary. Good job. You did great. You did great. Um, she, I should have had her, she was, um, I was saying before, before we recorded, um, Elizabeth, is it okay that Miriam's on Instagram? Great. Okay. Um, I mean, there's literally no changing it at this point. So, um, the um, I said beforehand, I was trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about on our live episode, and I was like, you know, I'm having kind of a low self-esteem day. Maybe I'll just like call people up and ask them to share their favorite things about Mother Natalia. And Guinevere was like, I have so much to say, and I will tell them all my favorite things about you. Um, it's very sweet. And then the low self-esteem problem was fixed because she started listing all her favorite things about me. It was very sweet. Not everything. She said there was a lot more, but she would save it for later. Um, so uh, I also really loved, um, can I talk about one of your other children, Father Deacon, Jonathan? Okay. So I also really love Nathaniel Dean, who it's, it's like super fun um, because Nathaniel was born um, the day that I was tonsured. 
And he received, obviously, the name Nathaniel, and I'm named Natalia as a feminine of Nathaniel. And so that's very fun. So we were both named after Nathaniel on the same day. And this kid is so cute. Um, this was my—I think this was my first time meeting him, yeah. And he just, like—his mom told me beforehand, before I met him, um, she was like, he is very, very shy with women. And and she said, but I think that it's because um, she was like, I think it's actually because he has such a reverence for women. And and it's true. Like he loves his sisters and his mom so much. And he just has like this great reverence for women. And so he he came up to me at one point during that. I met him and I just immediately loved this kid. And I mean, I've been praying for him for six years. And so it makes sense that I love him. But he came up to me and he had something behind his back and he had his head down the entire time he talked to me. And he said, um, I have a gift for you. And he just pulled this out from behind his back. And it's a, an icon of the Annunciation that he colored. Um, and then I said, thank you. I love it. And he just says, you're welcome. And then he turns and walks away. And it just was like really, really sweet. So the deans are precious. I had a cool experience yesterday. There was a, a couple that approached me and, and said that they were engaged. And so I gave him a blessing. But I asked them what day they were being married on. And it was February 10th. And I was like, I don't. I, I want to like memorize all the saints for all 365 days, but I was like, I don't know what February 10th is. So I looked it up and it was Char Lampus. Oh. Who, so most of you know this, but um, mother, very, very, one of my favorite stories about her was that um, she allowed me to submit the three names that mother chose one of for her religious name. Cause she said, as a celibate, you'll never get to name a kid, which is correct. And then she said, so I'm gonna let you choose the three names that I submit so that I get to actually choose to name her as my spiritual daughter, which is really beautiful. But Charlampus was one of the names I gave. It was Charlampia or something like that, or Shara, maybe Shara, Mother Shara. Um, but but Charlampus means glowing with joy. And I thought, so obviously Natalia was after Nathaniel, which is without guile. I forget what the other one was. There was joy and there was um, um Hope. Hope. Nada or Nadia. So Nadia. Would, of the faith, hope, and hope. love. There we go. Mm-hmm. Matt has a Nadia. Um, so, but uh, it was Shara for, or Shara Lampus, like just somehow glowing with joy. But anyway, that's, they're getting married on, on the feast of, of St. Glowing with Joy. It's beautiful. That's yeah. wonderful. Um, okay. Well, there's only one other thing that I wanted to mention from yesterday, which we've kind of talked about this at different points on the podcast, but basically until all the parishes are doing it, I'm going to keep bringing it up. <laughs> so you better get Amen. on it. Um, so, uh, Someone, someone came up to me after the retreat. Well, okay, so there are two things. One of the things I said at the, in my talk was that um, everyone needs a spiritual director to help them discern what they hear in prayer. And this is just like the, the early fathers are unanimous about this. Like they're all like, you cannot just trust yourself in your prayer, you can't decide for yourself because we are self-deceptive and you need someone who is more advanced in the spiritual life to help you discern if this is the Lord or if this is the devil because um, the devil can appear as an angel of light, right? And um, so, so anyway, someone came up to me after the talk and they were like, well, I heard this priest who's an exorcist who says that um, not everyone should have a spiritual director because not everyone needs a spiritual director. And I was, and so what do you think of that? And I was basically like, well, I disagree. So, um, 
that's the story of that. But then um, <laughs> I was just like, that's at, that's at least not the Eastern way. I'm not familiar with like how spiritual direction has kind of, um, I'm admitting my ignorance here. I'm not sure how spiritual direction has developed in the West, but that's not the Eastern way. Like the Eastern way is you always have someone to guide you. Um, but then someone else came up to me today and said, whoever, you can you can come on in, come on in. It's Paul. Oh, it's come on in. Um, <laughs> so someone else came up to me today and said, you know, the, the feedback I have is you said in your talk that everyone um, needs a, everyone should have a spiritual director, but like we're so lacking in spiritual directors. Where are people supposed to find a spiritual director? How are we supposed to have spiritual directors? Because there's just not enough directors for people. And my my response to that, Natalie, Natalie and I were also talking about this today, is this is, just as you were talking, Father Michael, about like the Protestants got this right about um, we need to be talking to Jesus about our sin and like not just wait for confession to do that. And similarly, this is something that the Protestants do very well is, is this concept of discipleship and mentorship. Um, and, and this is something that we need to be doing in our parishes. Like I understand that there are not enough priests in the world today to just give spiritual direction to everybody. Like it's just literally not possible. And um, and there aren't enough nuns. You know, we constantly have people asking us for spiritual direction and it breaks my heart to say no, but we just, we're all like booked up and, um, and it's, it's not possible. But if you are, you know, this was something that, that you kind of started out in Denver, Father Michael. I don't know if you've done it here. If not, then get on it, Father Michael. But um, you wanted to kind of imitate this concept of discipleship that the that a lot of the Protestants do so well, and you wanted to to learn from that and imitate that in our parish, and you used me as kind of a guinea pig for that, um, and set me up with a woman who was like um, just a couple steps ahead of me in her vocation. Right? She was like, I don't know, maybe eight years older than me, and was just a couple steps ahead of me, and um, and I think that we really need to be doing this in our parishes, like. If you are engaged right now, um, maybe you don't have a spiritual director, but maybe there's a married couple at your parish who's been married for maybe 10 years, you know, and they're not that much older than you, um, but they have a little bit of experience under their belt and, um, and, and their marriage is one that you really want to emulate. Then like start meeting with... Um, whichever of them is the same sex as you, start meeting with them as you prepare for marriage. And um, if you're a married couple, find a married couple who's been married for 10 years longer than you that you really want to emulate. Um, if you're a single person, then find um, someone who's who's single or married or whatever it is. And I, I think we really need to utilize this um, because we need an outside source. Like we can't just rely on ourselves to um, to be hearing accurately what it is that the Lord is saying to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're two or three gathered and um, I was just telling someone the other day that they were so ashamed of what was, what they of the way they were thinking. Mm-hmm. And they said, I don't even know why these thoughts come to my mind. It's like, that's because the devil's doing it. Like, mm-hmm. don't blame yourself. Like the devil's doing that, just name it. That The devil does that. The devil puts these thoughts in our mind. Um, of course, if we take them and make them our own, then it's us. But mm-hmm. if it's not, yeah, sometimes we need someone to say, that's the devil putting that in your mind, you know? Yeah. Don't don't let him do that or or to help discern in that way. Yeah, and, absolutely. 
And as you're as you're seeking out someone in your parish that you might want to approach to to ask of this, I mean, maybe don't scare them by saying like I need a spiritual director, but maybe just say um, I'm I'm looking for for guidance and an example and a mentor, and would you be willing to meet with me like once a month or something to do that? Um, but as you're as you have as as you're praying through who you might want to ask to do that, the thing I would keep in mind is don't just automatically choose the person that you think matches your personality the best. And don't just automatically choose the person that you think is going to like take your side in everything. Because that those are very human temptations. And you need someone, like if you're, if you're engaged, you need, um, say you're a woman who's engaged, you need to be able to talk to a married woman who it's not just going to be you say like, well, I'm having this struggle with my husband. And then she's like, oh my gosh, he's the worst. How could he do that to you? (laughs) You need someone who's going to be like, wow, that's really hard and that's really painful and I'm so sorry. Have you considered that maybe he was thinking this? You know, and like someone who's going to actually help you try to see the situation clearly, not just someone who's going to jump on board with you and get you riled up. Like you need someone who's going to help you through it um, and and help you really to be striving for for sainthood, like the person who's really going to be, to help you give more fully of yourself in the way that the Lord is asking you to give of yourself. Amen. I remember my spiritual father has been my spiritual father now for 19 years. I met years. his dad yesterday. It was so <laughs> wonderful. Did you send him the picture? No, not yet. Father sorry. Michael. I know, I'm sorry. She texted me at like 11 o'clock last night, like send, him, send Father Robert, my, my spiritual father is Father Robert Pipta, who's been from even before I was ordained a spiritual director. I but. met his dad. <laughs> his dad goes to Annunciation Parish. It was wonderful. It was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I chose him because he's the exact opposite of me in almost every way. I think Father Deacon Jonathan can attest to that. <laughs> he's extremely prayerful. He's very consistent in everything he does. Um, <laughs> He's, he's, he's just, everything he does is deliberate and intentional. And he, if he, he puts his mind to it, he does it. Um, he's my hero. I'm the opposite of all of that. Um, so I was like, I need you as my spiritual director, my spiritual father, because I want, I want you to influence me this way. That was actually, I discerned breaking up with the girl when I was in college because I thought, I want, I want my wife to, be, to make me want to be a better man. And almost every girlfriend I had did that, except this one who just made me the opposite. I thought this is actually a great discernment in saying like this is someone I want to marry because I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed being around her, but it was definitely not I didn't I didn't leave at the end of the day and go back home and say I got to be better for her. Like I didn't I'd almost be the opposite of like mm-hmm. how do I become more funny and more, you know, all the surface things rather than anything that was deeply spiritual. So, yeah. What did that have to do? Oh, picking Father Robert because he's the yes, opposite. Yes, because he, he, Father Robert makes he me makes want to be better. a better man. He yeah. ma- LA. Um, LA. He, he, he makes me want to, uh, he makes me want to be more prayerful, more deliberate, more intentional, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, okay. We are a minute seven, or an hour seven, excuse me. Um, it's been a long okay. minute. Okay, we should end then. But, that, was, that was the colloquial um, minute. Father Robert, for those of you who know Father Robert Pipta um, and and also know me, then you'll maybe understand this, but he came up to me after a liturgy and I had held the communion cloth and he said to me afterwards, he was like, you are a wonderful communion cloth holder. And um, <laughs> I just wanted to weep with joy. I was like, this is what I've always wanted to hear from Father Robert Pipta. <laughs> so I just, he's so great. Anyways, Amen. that's the whole Did story. you tell him who taught you to hold the communion cloth? 
which parachute came from? No. Okay. But he knows. That's true. But no, he doesn't. I didn't tell him that. He was really excited, though, that the next thing he said was, I hear you're going to Anaheim. That's my home parish. And he was very excited. (laughs) Um, So he's great. All right. Um, Prayer intentions. Oh. Oh, sorry. This is your episode. Yeah. You lead the ending stuff. So prayer intentions. Um, I'm going to ask for prayers for um, someone came up to me at the retreat yesterday uh, and asked me, I won't give the name, but she asked me to pray for her friend um, who just miscarried. Um, so please pray for her. And um, and then I also heard recently about someone who miscarried who was um, quite far along in her pregnancy. Um, and uh, yeah, so please pray for her as well. So those who are... Um, I know this is often a prayer intention of mine, but I think especially those who have who have suffered the loss of children and who are struggling with infertility. Amen. Uh, I want to pray for uh, all of those that uh, Deacon Greg mentioned that uh, were behind the scenes, were all the Marthas yesterday, um, those who put all the work into the Davies, um, the Gaths, et cetera, and all those volunteers. I didn't quite know what to do. Uh, yesterday, Father Deacon Gregory and I just, I walked into the kitchen when they were all doing dishes and I said, I don't know what to give you. Can I just give you a blessing? And they all paused and I gave them a blessing, the ones that were doing dishes. I was like, I don't know what to give you, but. You get like, helped with dishes. Uh, <laughs> 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 These hands are for chalices and calluses. Um, amen. Um, so, yes. Uh, so, the, all those who worked, and then I'm, I'm thinking of this because of Libby and Charlene and all of those who are right now wearing aprons and doing all of the, the Martha stuff. <laughs> Libby's getting embarrassed too. Um, those, and, and Cowboy, thank you, Cowboy, for setting everything up today. Um, Cowboy's been our tech genius the past couple of days, getting and making sure all of our tech is set up um, for uh, for yesterday and other times. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so um, so thank you for all, all the servants, those who, who work behind the scenes to make us be able to give and to receive the Holy Spirit so much. Um, you, especially hearing the gospel today, you guys are the ones who are truly Christ-like. Mm. So the diaconia, if you mm. will. So now we'll pass the mics around and everyone can give their prayer intention. <laughs> and then we'll be done in go another and, hour and seven minutes. Go ahead and think of your prayer intentions though in your head. We'll, so yes, listeners, please. please do pray for all the prayer intentions who are of those who are in this room Absolutely. as well today. Um, Father Miriam, Michael, do you have a prayer intention? Miriam, do you have a prayer intention? Who do you want to pray for? Just say for mommy and daddy and grandma. Okay, Miriam's Mar- <laughs> thinking like, for me. mommy and daddy and grandma and maybe for the baby in mommy's belly. Mm. That's due today. Due today. <laughs> and she's here with us. That's very impressive. Um, okay, Father Michael, it's good to be with you in person. You as well. It doesn't happen all that often and I'm grateful when it does. Amen. I like me to too. see your face in person and give you a high five. Can we do a high five that they can hear maybe? I don't know if that worked. Um, well, okay, heard it. Uh, yeah. Father Michael, can you please give us a blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you, Mary Lord. Give you the graces of his incarnation, give you the graces of his condescension to be among us, give you the graces of his beautiful mother and her yes please, her openness to God's vocation for her, her openness to the sacrifices that go along with that, Mary Lord. Uh, bless you with a intimate and hidden relationship with him that is shared only with him and that empowers and enables you to live a life that is in a community that bears the fruit of your private relationship with him. May our Lord always 
allow you to be proud of him and never ashamed of who he is or what he does in your life. May he let you know of his constant companionship and the hope that he gives so willingly and so fruitfully and so generously. May our Lord allow you to truly be earthen vessels carrying his light to those around you. May you take anything that you heard that was inspired by the Spirit um, today on this feast and any time may you allow that to bear fruit and to share your gifts with others who will see that. May you be protected from any attacks of the devil that bring on self-hatred, anxiety, or in any way the things that distract you from, that distract them, O oh Lord, from what you are doing in their life and the hope and the goodness that you bring. May our Lord bless all of you to be receptive to him and his ways through the intercession of his mother. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.